Welcome to 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name is Adam, and while I start the timer, why don't you open your Bible to the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Well, with 20 minutes on the clock, let's continue where we left off. Last time, we saw Moses was in exile. He had grown up in the household of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He was born into a Hebrew family that was enslaved in Egypt, and there was a death sentence on his head. But he had been spared. God delivered him. He grew up not only healthy, but in the house of his enemy. And when he had grown, he attempted to become the deliverer of his people. But he was rejected. And so he fled Egypt and went into the desert, ended up in the land of Midian, married a woman there and joined her household. His father-in-law, Jethro, was one of the priests in Midian who worshipped the true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's been about 40 years of exile for Moses. He has been out in the desert away from his people. He had tried to be a deliverer and failed. And now he finds himself being asked by God to do the very thing he had tried and failed to do in his youth, And he doesn't want to do it. And if you remember, uh, at the end of last week, the famous story of the burning bush, we talked about how that's like a top five well-known Bible story. But Moses sees the fiery presence of God in that burning bush. And he says, Moses, take off your sandals for the place that you are standing is holy ground. And this is where we have left Moses. Let's look at Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way that the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. A couple things there. The first and maybe the most important thing to note is that God says, I am concerned about their suffering. God cares about what goes on in this world. To me, that is one of the supreme differences between the Christian faith and human religion. Human view of God or the divine or the spiritual is often of a creator who sets things in motion but then has no 
concern for what happens next. This exists both in our actual religion and in our mythology, the idea of a distant creator who no longer seems to be interested in the day-to-day goings-on of his creation. But the Christian faith says that God is concerned with what's going on, that God knows the very number of the hairs on your head, that God feeds the birds of the air. How much more will he care for you and me? He is actively concerned and actively involved in our world. He cares about their suffering. It's also interesting to me that though he cares about their suffering, that care and that concern does not translate into immediate action. Christian, don't mistake what we might perceive as the silence of God or as the inaction of God as if he doesn't care and as if he is not active. Because in the very days when his people were crying out and calling out and saying, deliver us, God, in a totally other country, outside of their realm, none of the people there had ever left the land of Egypt. If you grew up a slave, you only knew your captivity. And yet, in a distant land, with somebody that most had forgotten about, if they knew him at all, God was raising up their deliverance. Now, why was it then and why not some other time? I believe we spoke about it last week, but it is possible that this is the first time that the people of Israel had cried out for deliverance. It is also very true that God's ways are not our ways and that we were not there when the very foundations of this universe were laid. And for us to try to demand that the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-supreme creator of this galaxy and every galaxy would bend to our will seems to me to be something we dare not pursue. The height of human arrogance. But who are we that God would care about our sufferings? And yet he does. So God says, I am sending you. Remember, Moses wanted to be a deliverer. He tried to deliver his people. He saw the Egyptian slave driver abusing an Israelite, and he saved that Israelite. And then the next day, he saw two of his people fighting each other, and he said, stop, stop. And they looked at him, and they said, who are you? Are you going to try to be our judge? He had tried, and they had rejected him. And now, years, decades later, God is saying, nope, you're the guy. One of the hardest things for people or groups of people or churches to do is to attempt something that has failed before. We make the assumption that the conditions are the same. I was at a previous church on staff there as one of the pastors, and I remember being in a leadership meeting and we were discussing some different ideas, uh, thoughts of how God might be leading us, and one idea was suggested, and the response from someone who had been in the church a very long time was, we tried that, and it didn't work. 
I hadn't been at the church for more than a year, maybe. So I said, okay, I, I'm new. I've only been here a year. When did you try that? Oh, oh, back, back in, in the early days. So for that church, it would have been like 1995. So 20 years earlier, they had tried something. And I kept asking questions. And as they described it, it wasn't really even the same thing we were going to try now. It just had the similar name or concept. But I said, you're, you're assuming that the conditions were the same. And we tried it, and it worked. It was, it was seemingly the Lord leading us this time. Just because you something didn't go your way in the past, it doesn't mean that that's not God's plan for your future. Moses wanted to be the deliverer of his people. That's a good and noble goal. But it wasn't his time. And now, when it is his time, what does he say? Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. There is a difference between true humility and a lack of faith. If you read the Gospel of Luke, the angel Gabriel goes to two people at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. He goes to a priest named Zechariah, and he says, even in your old age, though you and your wife have never been able to have a baby, you are going to have a son. His name will be John. We know him as John the Baptist. Then the angel Gabriel went to a young lady, a virgin, and said, you are going to have a son even though you have never been intimate with a man. Both of them had the same answer. How can this be? The difference is that Zachariah's answer came from a lack of faith, whereas Mary, the mother of Jesus, her answer came from a desire for more knowledge okay, this is what you're telling me, but I don't know how it's going to happen, so I'm curious. There is a difference between true humility and a lack of faith. Mary had a humble response. Zechariah had a disbelieving response. God says to Moses, I'm sending you to Egypt. Moses says, well, who am I? It could be a humble response, but we see from how God deals with this that really it's a lack of faith. God responds in verse 12, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And when I have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose that I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Incidentally, when Jesus was on trial, the Pharisees asked, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? And he said, I am. And it says that they tore their clothes. It is because he was invoking this, I am who I am. They had no doubt. They had no question that Jesus was claiming to be God. Going on, verse 14, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I am your deliverer. I am your defense. I am your God. I am has sent you. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me by, 
from generation to generation. If you uh, are ever reading your Bible, especially in the Old Testament, and it says, the Lord, and it's all in capitals, that is what is known as the Tetragrammaton. And it's either pronounced Yahweh, you might know we sing a song, you know, Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, O Lord. Or it is pronounced Jehovah. As I understand it, modern scholarship tends to lean towards Yahweh as the pronunciation, and Jehovah was the older pronunciation. So that's why modern songs tend to use the word Yahweh, whereas uh, older songs tended to use the word Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh. Uh, it was a song we used to sing when I was a kid in church. Either way, it doesn't matter. What happened was they took out the vowels and left only the consonants. Because in, in their mind, in the, the traditions of, of men that developed, the, the name of God was so holy so as not to be written. The problem with that is God says, this is my name forever, the name that you shall call me by from generation to generation. God wanted them to know who he was. And it was people who put up barriers between God and people knowing him. Just as in our day, people put up barriers between us and knowing God. If you want to know more about that, you can go check out the, uh, the sermon I did called Why is Jesus Better out of the Gospel of Mark. You can find that on our YouTube or our Facebook page. Verse 16 God says to Moses, Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you, and I have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, why is it that God... He's bringing them out of their suffering, but then kicking others out of the land. I'm going to get to that when we get to that part of the book of Exodus. So for now, let's just stick a pen in that, and we will get to it later in this book study. Verse 18, the elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Take, Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Israel, Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold for clothing which you will put out on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. It's interesting that the plunder of God is without violence. The, he basically is, is paying them back slave wages, and yet there's no violence to be had. Something to ponder. I do not believe in total pacifism. I don't think that that is justifiable in either the Old or New Testament scriptures. At the same time, I think there is a certain element of nonviolence that has been inherent of the Christian faith. Jesus said to Peter, put away your sword. He who lives by the sword dies by the sword. And yet, for various reasons, the sword, metaphorically, but I think also maybe literally, 
has become an element of faith for some people. I think nonviolence is something uh, that the Christian faith could recapture in a fuller way. It's a suggestion I'll leave with you as we move on. Moses answered, What if they do not believe or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? By the way, that's a very common worry or question. What if people don't believe me? Verse 2, the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Then throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached and took hold of it, and it turned back to the staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his skin was leprous. It had become white as snow, so he had some kind of skin disease. Now put it back in your cloak, he said, and so Moses put his hand back in his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the, hand, or like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second sign. But if they do not believe the two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you, spe I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. So the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. And he will speak to the people for you. It will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take the staff with you in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. As our time closes, I want to end with this thought. Everything that Moses needed for the ministry that God had for him was provided. He had a hand. He had a cloak. He had a staff. I believe that God is calling us to do things, and we look around and say, how can we ever do them? And the issue is not an issue of resources, it's an issue of us stepping out in faith, because God has already provided everything that we need. I also believe that people from the most well-known to the least known, from the most talented to the least talented, from the oldest to the youngest, men and women, we will look for excuses so that we cannot step out. And God is gracious to remove our excuses. God could have just said, Moses, get going, but instead God, in his grace, brought his brother Aaron to be sort of a spokesman for Moses. But when we try to make excuses, God provides all that we need. When we try to make excuses for why we can't share our faith, when we try to make excuses for why we can't pray, for when we try to make excuses for why we can't serve God, God provides all that we need. There is nothing that God has not called us to that he hasn't also 
provided a way for. It is up to us to step forward in it. Is that easier said than done? Absolutely. But there's a reason why Moses wasn't ready yet and why he had to spend those 40 years in the desert. And God is gracious to get us ready and God is gracious to provide for us. And next time we will see what happens when he returns to Egypt. Thank you for spending 20 minutes in the Bible with me this morning or this afternoon or wherever you're at, whenever you're listening. God bless you. We'll see you next time on 20 Minute Bible Study.